Welcome to Conversations with Leaders, where we talk with cloud leaders from commercial enterprises to the public sector, hearing their perspectives on innovation at scale when it comes to people, culture, and organization. My name is Jake Burns. I'm an enterprise strategist with Amazon Web Services. I'm part of a team of former CIOs and CTOs who in their previous role have had large scale success implementing AWS in their enterprise. Joining me today is Dave Bartoletti with Forrester. Dave, could you please introduce yourself? Sure, hi Jake. I'm really glad to be here. My name is Dave Bartoletti. I am a Vice President and Principal Analyst at Forrester Research, and I am the lead analyst on our cloud computing playbook team. So I work with a team of about 15 analysts that cover all aspects of cloud computing. And I personally own public cloud platforms and cloud native development platforms. In this, in this podcast, we're going to talk about the barriers to cloud adoption. So let me just ask you, what are the top barriers that you're seeing? That's a great question. There certainly are still barriers, right? Barriers to any sort of significant change. And we've been running data centers the same way for close to 30 years in a lot of large enterprises. So we have a lot of um, institutional inertia to overcome as well. Um, so it's, it's, it's a mistake, I think, to blame it on individuals, right? And say, you, you don't want to change. Well, we hear this all the time. Why don't I have more innovators in my company? And I always say, can you tell me where innovation is and their metrics? Right. Are you rewarding innovation? Are you rewarding people taking a chance? Um, I, I spent 10 years at TIBCO in the early 90s on the founding team there. And we used to say from the very beginning at TIBCO, um, there's no hand holding here, but there's no hand slapping either. And and meaning we expect you to try something. We don't have any time to teach you how to do everything because we're all too busy. So we're not going to jump on you if you try something new and it fails. And I think um, what people run into the most, at least what the data tells us, is their application architectures, two solid, tightly connected monoliths, right? It focused around mm -hmm. tightly connected, tightly integrated monoliths. Um, they're concerned about security and privacy, but when we dig underneath those numbers, like I said the last time we talked, it's not that they don't believe the public cloud platforms are at least as secure, if not more, than their data center. They just don't feel that the vendor's providing them enough tools or, or um, information they need to articulate that to their regulators. Uh, and they just feel like they're, they're new to the platform, so they're not quite sure what ba best practices are yet for security, how to document that, how to make sure everyone's aware of that. Like, when do you put that in front of a developer? How much do you slow down your development right. team with, with teaching them about security? And the last one, I think, is performance. And, and again, when we dig into performance, it's not the, the, the net infrastructure performance or that they're concerned that database performance, anything like that. They're more concerned about if I start splitting up my application and running it in more than one place. It's, it's really about latency. They, they're concerned about bringing part of an application off-prem because they're concerned that performance, um, that, that, that that'll be a performance problem. What we find about all three of these though, is that each successive deployment, each time you try something incrementally, the challenges are easy to overcome. So those are the biggest yeah, barriers. Yeah, you know, um, 
I, I think we could we could devote some time to security and compliance because it's such a it's such a big topic, right? Yep. And um, you know, I've been I've been doing I've been an enterprise strategist with AWS for for twelve months now, and it's interesting um, when I would have conversations with our enterprise executives uh, in the first few months, there was a lot of objections around security and compliance. Yeah, and um, you know. Uh, Maybe not a lot, but more than there are today. I mean, it's virtually none at this point. So I think there's been this evolution, even in the last 12 months. It's evolution of understanding, really, because the platform, you know, while it's evolving, it's, you know, 12 months ago, the security and compliance controls were there, right? So um, it, I, what I've seen, and, 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 you know, I'm curious to hear your point of view, mm-hmm. is that, you know, in the last year and even the last two years, there's been this huge shift, um, you know, from particularly CISOs and security teams kind of fearing the cloud and really kind of having a posture that it's not secure and having concerns about compliance to almost not even ever being kind of neutral, coming all the way 180 degrees around to being some of our biggest supporters and some of the biggest advocates of the cloud because they've understood that these new capabilities are going to make compliance and security so much better and so much easier. Remember in our last discussion, you mentioned that cloud brings the financial and business people together with the IT teams in a way that was sort of new, right? Suddenly IT mm-hmm. can be much more transparent with costs. They can show people what they're spending all the time. Um, they can be good at optimizing costs, where in the past, most people did a budget once a year for IT and they had to predict what they were going to buy and you were stuck with that, right? And then you spent the rest of the year fighting to spend it. I think the same thing is happening with our relationship between IT and especially development teams and security teams. I remember one guy told me in in an advisory session, the security team came in at the end. Always they used to come in at the end of our cloud strategy discussions. And it was always like someone poured cold water over the discussion. Now here comes the security team. And the security (laughs) team had a great attitude about it, but he said, here's my job. If you're doing your job, I'm not doing mine. <laughs> and that was, we said, really? Is that how you consider the role of security? He goes, the only way that we can maintain security efficiently in a company this large is to slow everything down. And that's why wow. I think the cloud has always been scary for security people because it it just changes so quickly. And, and the, the best tools that we had in the past to manage security meant moving more slowly. Now yeah. we have to rethink security. You know, Forrester's got a, a huge body of research around zero trust and this idea that if you start thinking about everything you're building as inherently not trusted, uh, and then you can start teaching everyone what does it mean to secure every uh, interaction between components. Um, and what if every one of those interactions was not only secure and, and authenticated, um, but transparent, meaning we're going to show right. you everything that's happening. We're not just going to show you every three months in an audit, or that's really optimistic, or every six months in an audit. Right? Oh, yeah. Most people do it. No, we had it. We had a total false sense of security Absolutely. before cloud, you Absolutely. know, compared to today, right? You we know, always because because of those slow cycles, yeah, mm-hmm. and because we're just we we basically it's the you know what do we call it the hard boiled egg or the soft boiled egg or whatever it was, <laughs> right? This crazy idea that we're going to do all this stuff that's not secure and just put a moat around it. That was the old way of thinking, right? That moat was like a firewall or an IDS or something like that. And then once you were in there, everything that happened was trusted. 
Right. And that doesn't work. So if work. you got in there, you could do such damage, right? If you got inside. Yep. Now, if you get inside, you can't do as much damage. Um, if you, if you, each one of your service to service communications is secured, if your data is, you know, encrypted in transit and at rest, all yep. the best practices we've learned in cloud to, to do this. I think what, what's changed now is the last five or six years of breaches have kind of helped the public cloud because the biggest and most horrible ones have happened in corporate data centers, right? <laughs> they haven't happened in the public cloud. And and there will be a breach in a public cloud. Of course, there will be. There's, there's going to be one that, that happens. But I think what people have realized is that I can get a degree of... Um, I, I can rethink the approach to security in terms of, uh, instead of bolting it on afterwards, mm -hmm. we now think security from the beginning of everything we do. Right. So, you know, a lot of AWS services and a lot of public cloud services from other vendors as well, when you configure them, they require you to make some security choices. Right. And that's new, all right? Enterprises would have had to put that in place themselves if they were building those, those services themselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah, what we've done is we've realized that, that the moat is obsolete. I mean, we don't even have a moat anymore. I mean, there's some enterprises that are putting a big firewall, you know, uh, at the edge of their network, but really that, that's just out of paranoia. The security is built into the platform now. You know, like you said, AW, every AWS service has security built right into it. And yeah, it's a, it could be a little bit more complex because, you know, there's more capabilities in the cloud than what you had before, but there's more capabilities in regards to security as well. And so your, your best case scenario is so much better in the cloud because every single service that you have and every single API that you use, everything that you do has security wrapped around it. And so, yeah, you could put a moat around that as well if you want to, but it's really unnecessary. Sure. Agreed. And, and two other aspects have, have really changed. Um, how many security professionals does the average enterprise, can they afford to hire? Oh. Right? So there are more really dedicated, powerful security professionals working on the public cloud platforms as well, trying to solve some of these problems. They're not going to solve all of them before you get to them. And the second thing is that the public clouds are probably audited more frequently than your own data center is. <sighs> So they've gone through and passed these audits and, and have learned best practices for doing this. I mean, what we were encouraged by is when we were talking to clients about how public cloud has really changed their business, um, half, half of them told us that our original fears of security really fell away after our first, right. second, third projects, right? Familiarity really starts to breed comfort. And, and that's the other thing to really land anyone listening to this. Public cloud isn't brand new anymore. We've been doing this for over a decade, right? In earnest right. at this point. We're past so, the early adopter um, stage. This, absolutely. Yes. Completely. And and there are enormous enterprises making huge bets in the public cloud today. And it might sound terrible, but they're going to run over that speed bump before you get there. Yeah. And and it's interesting. It's, it's, it's you know, um, there's new terms that are getting coined. You know, it was DevOps, then it was you know, DemFinOps than DemFinSecOps, right? And it's kind of, there's some truth to that, right? It's like cost control and, and, and is, is kind of 
everybody's uh, responsibility to some extent. And security is everybody's responsibility, certainly developers, right? Because they have those capabilities. They need to be aware of the security. They need to be accountable for security. And they need to build security into the into their applications that they're building rather than build insecure applications and try to put some security around it after the fact and bolt it on, as you said. That's a really good way to look at it. What you're really saying is automation, right? When we say things like DevOps, we're talking about automated dev processes and automated operations processes, automated continuous integration and automated continuous delivery. It's in many companies sort of shocking to think about automated security. <laughs> it's not something we've been able. Well, that's well, it's hard it should, to automate something it's like true. that. It's true. It's it's uncomfortable because it's new. But when you really think about it, and I think a lot of these these things are this way. You really think about it deeply. It just makes total sense. Uh, what's the biggest cause of security problems? Human error, right? It's the biggest cause of problems. Human error. So take humans out of the equation, right? You don't want to depend on humans doing their job every day for your security to be good. You want to build a system that has security built into it, and you want that system to run your security. And then you have humans improve that system, right? And so, you know, you certify that system and you and you have really smart people, smartest people in the world working on that system, and then you democratize it. You, allow, you give it to everybody, right? And that's kind of what cloud is. That's, what it, that's how I describe AWS to people when they ask, they don't know anything about it. I say, look, Amazon, we developed this set of capabilities for our business and we have some, well, we put a lot of effort into it and then we realize other people could use it as well. And so we put uh, all this effort into building these services that are useful to us and then we we give it to other uh, customers and make it available so you don't have to put that same level of effort to get that same level of capabilities, right? And if we're being honest, it's going to be impossible for most organizations to put in that level of effort as, as we put in, right? And we're constantly improving it. So not only do we have this huge head start, but we also, you know, we have a, a ton of resources that are getting put into that every day. And if you look behind the veil at Amazon, which I did when I joined here, uh, you know, there's, there's a, we treat security very differently than we treat everything else. You know, we say security is, you know. How so? Um, so, you know, we talk about doing things quickly and we talk about failing inexpensively and we talk about, um, you know, just b being fast in general. Security is kind of the exception, right? Security is kind of where things slow down uh, here because we take security, we put, we prioritize security above, we, above um, shipping product. We prioritize security above, um, you know, Everything else that we do, I mean, you pick it, uh, uh, optimizing mm -hmm. for cost, uh, developing new features, uh, getting to market. Building a data center. Everything, right? So when, when things slow down uh, here, what I've seen, the only, there's only one reason it'll ever slow down is because security, right? We, we just put so much emphasis on security. And if you think about it from a business perspective, we have to do that. Because basically what we're doing is we're asking customers to trust us with their security, right? Because uh, we're building the security uh, into our platform. And not, not just for AWS, but for Amazon.com and for Prime and for everything else, right? So um, trust is an interesting thing. You know, if you mess up once, uh, you might be out of business, right, when it comes to trust. Uh, so it's a lot, it's, a, it's far, far, it's a huge understatement to say it's easier to um you know, uh, to lose trust than to gain trust. And so we realize that. So instead of doing things kind of recklessly and then planning on doing damage control after the fact, which is, you know, a lot how a lot of businesses operate, uh, we just put a ton of effort into making sure that there's not an issue to begin with. And so it's it shocked me a little right. bit how seriously, I mean, I know security is always important, 
but we're kind of obsessive about it here. And for good reason. Well, and I, I think, well, and I think you've just started the process that'll help companies overcome that because the second barrier that I think was, was probably the strongest is skills acquisition and training. There are still just a lot of midsize and even large enterprises that don't feel comfortable that their cloud skills are up to par, mm. right? With with the skills they they develop to do things in the data center. I think most large IT operations teams could tell you how skilled they are in ITIL processes, but have no idea what that means when it comes to the cloud. So we're, we're doing a lot at Forrester to help sort of bridge the gap between cloud and traditional slow processes. The bridge there is a real slavish commitment to automation. You mentioned it earlier mm -hmm. when you just said, there's really no choice but to automate these processes. It's, none of us like to deal with a bot, right? <laughs> but also, but, but also none of us want to deal with a, a, a human support rep on the phone who we can tell is clicking through exactly the same <laughs> screens we just clicked through on the website, right? right. And they're gonna get the same answer that we are. So. We want to be able to train the bots, right? That's Don't you right. want your second interaction with the bot to get better? That's what the cloud lets us do, is that we learn enough security, uh, we learn enough about what cloud security means, and then we focus our energies on automating everything right. as soon as we learn it. That's the important thing. I'm not, I can't do it twice. The, I mean, the scale, we're already past this, uh, past the ability for humans to manage the, this many devices. And we... I still think we we have a sense in the data center that if I'm talking hundreds or low thousands of virtual machines, yeah, I can still get enough people right. to, to watch that. Um, and I think the companies are coming to a realization that no, we really can't because the threats are becoming a lot more sophisticated. And the biggest problem for companies right now, I mean, or at least what's what's looking ahead to next year is huge, is is um, the ransomware attacks. And they typically start by going after companies' backups and like their core business data. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that my, my advice to companies is that you need to have a two-pronged security effort. Yes, you need to constantly be watching the threats against the, the data center assets that you still own and, and, and approaching those. But at the same time, every time you overcome some bad threat actor, you should rethink how would we have solved this in the cloud, right? If we didn't own the infrastructure, how would we have solved this? That's how you start learning in parallel. Absolutely. And um, it just reminds me another benefit of a lift and shift migration that we were talking about last conversation is once you're in AWS, for example, um, we have what's called the share security model. So what that basically means is you have your, your you know, layers of your, your, your stack, right? And you draw a line in the middle and everything below it, you don't, have, you don't have to worry about it anymore, right? It's AWS's problem. And so we're talking about hypervisor, we're talking about physical data center security, you know, we're talking about servers, storage, all of those things, things that enterprises spend a lot of time worrying about from a security perspective and from a compl compliance perspective. And those are, if we're being honest, two separate things. And they're both um, require a lot of effort. And so just by taking your systems like for like and putting them in the cloud, you can eliminate about half of your problems when it comes to security and compliance. And that's super powerful. And then Another thing about that that's 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 a huge advantage that is kind of people realize afterwards is 
okay, it's great that we don't have to worry about those things, but now what we can do is we can concentrate our efforts on those things that we do need to worry about. And that's your application, that's running your business, all of those things, the compliance and security parts on those. You could take, you could choose to reduce your headcount if cost savings is the only thing you mm-hmm. care about. But what I see people doing and what I did was keep the headcount the same and just take those people, reskill them and repurpose them towards things that matter to your business. So if you have you know, X number of people focused on security and compliance, and now you have half the number of things to worry about, you're going to do better at managing those, those things because you have more people managing less things. And those things happen to be the things that are differentiated for your business. See, I think the whole summary of this discussion around barriers um, can come down to one thing, whether it's a security barrier or performance barrier, or you're worried about which application to start with. We hear that all the time, uh-huh. too. Right? Where do I start? Should I just be moving my well-virtualized, pretty static workloads, or should I only be moving my highly elastic you know, web and mobile customer-facing stuff that explodes three times a year? Regardless of, of which one of those barriers, you have to go back to the fact that cloud encourages experimentation. Mm-hmm. You can't learn. You're never going to learn in a four-month RFP process which you know how you're going to transform this application or how you're going to secure the cloud. You start an account, launch a test application, and run a security scan on it right. and and take a look at what that means. What do I get from my security instrumentation in the cloud, and what is what does the report look like? Take that to you. The auditors go through a first compliance review. That's what it's the reason that it's built like this for experimentation is because the only way to get better at it is to try it. That's you know what? If I had if I could only say one thing to a customer and in a meeting, that would be it. If I could only convey one point, that's it. Because that's the key. That's the secret. It's it sounds obvious, it sounds unsophisticated, but it's really just just do it. Just get started and get started as quickly as possible. The answer to which application should I move first is whichever one you can. Because you're going to learn so much when you do that. And you're going to start on that journey of building those skill sets that are just going to compound upon itself as you develop more skills and and more experience. And you just get better and better and better with it. And the big secret is the companies that are doing very well in the cloud, the people that have are good at lowering their costs and improving their security, improving their resilience are the people who've been doing it the longest. So get started now. Make your mistakes early. It's going to cost you almost nothing, hopefully, if you're doing it right. Um, you, you mitigate, right. You mitigate the, those kind of costs of failure, which the cloud helps you do. And then you just fail as many times as you can, as quickly as you can. And then you get really good. And then everything falls into place. And that's really the big secret. I, I couldn't give any different advice that would be that good, right? Is, is I think what we forget is 15 years ago, or I don't forget it, but other people do. 15 years ago, no developer working in an enterprise could go out and start a server at someone else's data center right? <laughs> and start playing with things, right? So it's almost like we only know how to drive cars and we're all trying to figure out what it would be like if we drove planes instead. And we're trying to perfectly model all of our skills before we even go to a flight simulator and see what it's like. Right? Yeah. And that's that's what we've got in the cloud. We've got a flight simulator where we can go and practice and learn what life would be like if we were doing it in the public cloud. And so it's why I always say, going back to all full circle where we started with this, why cloud is not another data center. It is a brand new business model for how you consume and interact with technology. It's not just a new data center. Yeah, absolutely. And you got to have that mindset if you want to take a full place event. to stop. <laughs> yes. Uh, so 
yeah, we're out of time. So we will uh, see you guys next time. And we'll continue this uh, very interesting conversation uh, with Dave uh, and their next session. Thank you. I look forward to it. Uh,